I'm on this real kick at the moment about tiny stuff, tiny, tiny stuff, because we're all like, I want to be a worldwide superstar. Well, I'm not, but people are. I want to be a worldwide superstar. We've got to be number one and the global this and fuck off that. And so these tiny things can seem really useless, not worthwhile. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Emotional Optimism Podcast. One thing I don't talk a whole lot about here is music and my love of music, especially post-punk and new wave and just good old 80s sounds. So I was incredibly excited when I had the opportunity to have a chat with Martin Atkins, who is none other than a drummer for PIL, Pig Face, Nine Inch Nails, many, many other awesome bands that will blow your socks off. Martin has a huge heart. He drops a lot of F-bombs, which made me laugh. He's got a great British accent, and he just seems to get it. Anyway, hope you will enjoy this as much as I did. Thanks again for tuning in. Be well. I want to just start by saying thank you for being here. You took a chance on a stranger. And I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, life is taking chances on strangers all the time, right? In terms of the chances I've taken with strangers, Claude, this is hardly <laughs> danger. Like, you know, I've had people wander on stage with my band. Hey, Jules, like Genesis PRs with six tape machines, not knowing, never having rehearsed. So uh, that, you know, this in terms of, yeah. This is this mild. Is a cool, relaxing. Yeah. It's way chill. Yeah. It's way chill. Oh my God. I look like such a dork. I have pink eye. And I, so oh. I, yeah, it's lovely. It's amazing. I have two kids and yeah. So anyway, I'm aware of that. You have four kids. What are the ages? Oh, who knows? Yeah. All right. Wait, I, yeah. 13, 17, 24, 26. It sounds like a, a like football hike. Head, head, hike. Um, yeah. All right. Let's talk about you. British by birth. Yeah. Yeah. What What was uh, little Martin doing at five years old? Uh, soccer. Yeah. Soccer. Yeah, soccer. And, um, that, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I got my dad got me a drum kit when I was nine. So, and so absent father, right? Very went from the factory floor to um, being in charge of three thousand uh, workers in a, uh, in a textile factory. So, I now I understand he was doing the very best he could for his family, but to me, then it was like, well, fuck you. You know, where are you? But he bought me a drum kit when I was nine. And so I, I'm like, okay, I would play the drums for four or five hours a day till my hands bled. And um, then I ended up joining my first band when I was like 11, 11. Really? What were you playing? Like what kind, who were you modeling yourself at, uh, after the band? Who were you modeling yourself after? Well, I don't know about the band. The band... At that time, I was born in 59, right? So by the time I'm nine, it's bad company, free, all right now. I think the Beatles, Elvis was still right. alive. I mean, right. you know, um, 
the sweet Slade, uh, um, Stones. You know, David Cassidy. Oh, you're going one way, I'm going the other. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, uh, a, a, a glorious pop music, cozy pal. And then you've got the the absolute worship of technical ability and and just masturbation on instrument, like just right. Which so I completely went down that rabbit hole because I'm playing four or five hours a day. Then I'm in a cover band. We're doing seven shows a week. I've got more money than I know what to do with as a 13, 12, 13 year old. We're backing strippers on a Sunday afternoon. I'm drinking Newcastle Brown. This is in the north of England. I'm drinking Newcastle Brown Ale in the dressing room, trying to do my homework badly. Oh, man. You know, and and, and just along the way, getting ready for, for, for punk, you know, getting ready to be frightened by punk. Mm-hmm. You know, so when when punk came along, it was like, oh shit! You know, here's a chord, here's another, here's a third. Start a band. It's like, no, 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 no. Here's a chord, here's another, here's a third. Here's twenty five more. Practice for four years, and then think about if you might be ready for being in a band. And punk was just like, fuck it. For me, that was kind of frightening because I I did my homework literally, and I was ready to be in a a technically proficient band and suddenly everybody say, no, fuck that. I'm like, what do you mean? Fuck that. You know, but it turns out everybody wanted to say fuck that, but nobody wanted a shit drummer. So yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like, yeah, fuck that. And here's a really experienced kid who's been playing for 12 years already, you know? So. Right. But like Sid Vicious could get away with it. Cause he was just, you know, he didn't need to play at all. Yeah. I don't know what he got away with in the end, to be honest. Well, that's true. That's so, that's so true. What, who came first, the, like the clash or sex pistols, or was that like literally parallel lives in a way? Well, uh, for me, yeah. Listening. I think it was the clash, um, the clash in the damned. I'm not, I I mean, chronologically I should know this stuff, but it was all kind of, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on? And uh, um, I mean, in the north of England, which is only 250 miles north of London, it might it's a difference between New York and LA in attitude, culture, everything. And so I'd be wearing like drainpipe jeans, which are the opposite of loons, flared pants, this <laughs> one. And people would just like cross the street and like, the fuck's going on? Yeah. Like, oh, what's going on with what? these fucking, uh, should we just fight? Like, what are you, what are you? And I'm there with Pete, who ended up playing bass in Pill for a while. And he's like, yeah, what? And he has this Cockney accent. They're like, oh, it's a fucking cop. Like, what the? It was ridiculous, tribal, in, insecure craziness. Yeah. I just read, uh, so I'm a huge Cure fan. I'll just put it out there. Um, you're like, yeah, okay. Uh, but so I just read Lowell's autobiography, Cured, and he was talking about exactly that. Just like fights would break out, like the, the tribal nature of whether or not it was just blokes in a bar or bands or just, I don't like skinheads. I don't like the way you look. Well, well, it's one thing with a skinhead, you know, but we used to do the rock against racism and all that stuff. But we just like, I mean, and then we just, it infected us. So I ended up, I think before PIL, I had this three-piece 
crazy punk outfit called Brian Brain and my drums were on tape. And we're like, you know, punk was like question everything. Okay, well then, instead of waiting in the dressing room for the audience to, are they, is there enough applause for an encore? We're like, no, let's attack them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we, we would just fucking attack the audience. And uh, <laughs> as well as my drums on tape, we also put the applause on tape. Not random sound effect bullshit. We went into a studio and we're like, okay, drop us in. Yeah, Brian, Brian, Brian. And we built it up and it came back up. And we taped an audience together and people are just like, you guys are idiots. And then we pushed people over and we taped their legs together. I mean, it was was just crazy. Uh, But you mentioned Lol Tolhurst. Yeah. Have you spoken with Lol? No, I haven't. Well, you should. Okay. And send me an email. Send me an email. I'll connect you. He All is right. so he is so super nice. We were both born in the same year. We both wear the same Doc Martin shoes. I've got yeah. pictures of like sad, pathetic seventies boys, you know, wearing the right. same shoes. You know? Yeah. And um, I think we've DJed together. He, his book is really great. It is. Yeah. I did listened he, to it. I listened to it. So I oh, heard did, his voice the whole time. Okay. Which is that's, brilliant. That's what I really like about uh, uh, um, uh, Steve Jones's book, Lonely Boy. I just downloaded it. I was going to yeah. get into it. Tell me, why Why do you like it? And are you, were you a Smith fan or were you like? No, no. Uh, from the Pistols. Steve I mean, Pistols. Pistols. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I've been to Salford Lads Club and had a picture taken. Me and Jarvis Cocker were like, oh, you know. Um, but um, <laughs> it, it just feels really authentic because it's Steve's voice. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, it's, the book is in his voice in, in, the, in, the, in the authorship way. But to hear it, it's like one plus one equals 11, you know. Uh, and especially in the light of this masked singer bullshit where John um, John was upset with Steve because Disney is turning his book into a series. Like, oh, yeah. And he wants to protect the Pistol's legacy. Yeah, what, by going on the masked singer? Yeah. Like, give me a fucking break. Right. Anyway, anyway, hey, I digress. No, I like it. I like it. The um, the book I was thinking of was "Set the Boy Free," Johnny Marr. Okay. Which I'm I don't. So, I'm I don't, I don't know Johnny. Uh, Andy Rourke was in Killing Joke for three days. <laughs> what? Uh, so, what makes someone a lifer in Killing Joke and a three dayer? What? Why three well, days? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I I would consider. Uh, would I consider myself a lifer? Well, I mean, you I, you I, had an extensive career in certain bands. Yeah, I, I think that they might, Jazz and Jordy might consider me to be, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Andy, but like, this was when I, when I joined Killing Joke, <laughs> uh, I didn't know this at the time, but when I do my little Zoom things, I'm always trying to find interesting facts. Like John Peel was at the Zagruba killings in Houston, in Dallas. The guy who shot Kennedy, when he was shot, John Peel was right there. In the, I've got pictures. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So, so I'm always collecting stuff. And uh, 
it turns out when I joined Killing Joke, I thought like the band's in disarray, they need a drummer. Well, the the album that they just released called Outside the Gate was so catastrophically horrible that Raven, the bass player, quit and has to have his name taken off. <laughs> Paul, the drummer, quit and has to have his name taken off. Jazz had a nervous breakdown. It's like, oh, yeah, where do I sign, you know? But um, so we didn't have a, we didn't really have a bass player. And, and uh, Paul Raven, God bless Paul Raven, he's gone just over 14 years ago. Um, he hadn't decided to rejoin yet. And um, so Andy Rock from the Smiths shows up and and one of our crew guys is like, you know, he's on fucking heroin, that lad, oh, you know. Yeah. And we're like, and, we're, and so we just said to him, are you, uh, <laughs> are you actually still on the, on the heroin? And it's like, at that point, I think he was putting like 18 sugars in his tea. Oh, which boy. I think is like a giveaway. Right? I think so. so. We should have just like punched him in the face, you know. Uh, uh, like, and I think that night he was on News at 10, which is the big news show. Uh, Andy Rock of the Smiths, arrested, buying heroin. Oh and he's like, God. and there he is. He's on film, <laughs> pull a cup for Christ's sake. But um, yeah, so he was, and we had photographs done and everything, you know. Um, then he had a Photoshop yeah. over him and and yeah. No, I just X'd his face out. Yeah, no. X'd his face out. We, we sent the eight, we sent the eight by ten off to the to the to the music papers. They all printed it. Oh man! All right. So here's a question I have. Like, here are the times we're talking about where there were fights. It was like, look, the bands you were in by no means were Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, or Karen Carpenter. Right? There's an edge to them. There's an emo- There's so much emotion there. Rawness. Whatever. Whatever. Like. Was there any empathy inside of inside of that music? I know it's a weird, it's even like a weird question, but um, was there any, so was there any consideration for one another? It sounds like it, yeah, you're with your mates and you're playing, but like, how did people, how did like people show kindness back then? Compassion, like, Optimism. Oh, I, I, optimism. I, I understand. <laughs> You're like, I'm, I'm just drawing a blank. No, I mean, it's we. So it's different. So my band Pigface now has been going since 1990. And, you know, you touch one member of the band and the 90 people are on a bus to come and sort you out, you know. But PIL then, we were all very distant. Yeah. Um, from each other. And this idea, like, uh, and it was violent. And, and there were, uh, this is the thing that amazes me. There were, we were not protected by anything. Like later, a few years on, like 83, 84, you've got police uh, on, on horseback, uh, helicopters, uh, German shepherds on stage, on fucking stage, you know. I'm like, oh, this is cool as hell. Um <laughs> But that you've got the uh, guitarists on heroin, people like just doing their thing, dist- actively destroying what we're making as we do it. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, we would occasionally, there was, I was back from the very front of the stage most mm-hmm. of the time. So people couldn't get me with spit, 
but John would get covered in spit in, in the early 80s. So there's that going on. I remember sometimes we would stop a show if some kid was getting beaten up, you know, and then the security would just like all walk off if they weren't having fun beating kids up. It's like, fuck this, you know. So the security would, and then people would start taking the monitors off the stage. I mean. It was like rioting. Well, yeah. But sometimes the only thing that protected us with PIL, and this sounds ridiculous, was John's stare. Like, I fucking dare you. Right. You know, right. Right. Um, I dare you to be on stage with this would soon to be masked singer. Hello. You know, um, but, but, but it was like, oh, and we, we got to, and you get to see this other swirling dark side of charisma because it's not, it's not the things that a manager tells you about his new, she's got a great new single and she's got charisma. Charisma has a dark side and it's a powerful magnetic force. I saw John magnetize 10,000 people, <laughs> you know, I mean, I was, I was behind him on my drum kit, you know, yeah. and, um, and there's, there's a dark malevolence about charisma that I think protected us when physical security guards or barriers or any of those things actually didn't protect us. You know? Yeah, that's, that's so intense. But let me ask you this semi-naive question. Did the music itself, forget Johnny Stare, but did the music itself ask for that type of rioting itself? Like, you know, the, the music itself or even the pistols, but certainly some of PIL, is there's that energy and it's a very let's call it a very male testosterone energy where you have to just like bust out of your shirt like the incredible hulk and did it almost ask for that type of participation with a crowd like i say it's a crazy question but no it isn't a crazy question but i think that might have been punk 77 got it by pill 79 that, you know, one of the things, if somebody's coming at me, I don't puff myself up. Sometimes I'll sit down and cross my legs because I know you're going to the hospital, <laughs> right? And, and I think pill was like that. It wasn't, there's a couple of songs. There's a song called chant um, that we played on the John Peel show and other places. Sometimes if there were dogs on stage and, I would play that 12 BPM faster. It was a threat, you know? But then we played a song like Pop Tones, classically inspired finger-picking uh, circular guitar stuff that are almost medieval mm -hmm. in their in their accessibility. Um, there's that as well. So, I mean, that to me, pill post-punk and pill were... There was that we're sitting down cross-legged because we know we've got yeah. this and it's like it's you that's in trouble. Right. So we didn't have to be, you know, it was like, nah, there's no light show. What are the what do you want with the lights? Nothing. Turn all the lights on. <laughs> okay, well, you know, it was just that anti thing. Yeah, right. Anti-establishment or whatever that is. Anti-corporation. Anti yeah. Let's, anti let's not let's not rehearse. 
T-shirts, no. Like what? <laughs> you know, like oh, come on, yeah. Yeah. What segue for a second? What are you listening to? Like, what do you? Is there is there a few songs that you would listen to on repeat if you could? Maybe not even songs that are in your repertoire this minute. Um, there's a few things I've been listening to, and I don't know the name, but she just pissed on somebody's face. Oh, amazing. Uh, yeah, if you could Google that. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> um, it's, it's a tool cover band called Something Brass. Okay. Access Brass, Something Brass. And it's like they do brat horn section covers really? of regular songs. And they did a cover of a tool song. I think they're opening for tool in Europe. And like, she, some fans on stage rolling around, she just peed on it. Shit. You know, it's like. Okay, it's, some it, you know, it's like Iggy, some people you know, are doing their Iggy Pop thing. Yeah, some people are outraged. For me, it's a Tuesday, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I was listening to that. Um, I've been listening to an artist in Chicago for a couple of years now called Day. That uh, that's it's spelled D A I. Um, her her Instagram. Her, I think she's Radical Night on Instagram. And um, she was one of four artists who jumped on stage with Pigface in 2019 and just passed the mic. And it was like, if there's one of the things I miss about being on stage with Pigface, it's like, here's 40 people from every walk of life. You know, um, keep an eye on Galen Lee because she's bouncing around in a wheelchair with a... uh, with a, she plays fiddle amazingly. It makes me mm-hmm. cry. But I, I look down, and she's got one of these. One of our crew guys made three of these lawnmower blower toilet roll cannon attachments. <laughs> so you put like a painting, a roller on the end of yeah. your thing, and you can put two toilet rolls on and blast them into the audience like a football. Car. And I looked down at this gay lady, she's spinning around That's in a so chair. Cool. Like, I'm like, oh my goodness. That's so cool. Um, and I, so I miss, I miss being on stage with my friends. Yeah. Because, because I, I, I like to show people that. Um, what is that? Just like his 40 people on stage. Just grooving together. You know, his, his gay lady in her chair. Yeah. His, and I didn't. I don't want to sound like I'm about to sound because I'm not an idiot. I mean, I'm not an idiot. But, um, you know, when Charles was in, well, he's still in the hospital, but when he was in his coma, um, I didn't know what to do. And I set up a phone line. It was, I don't know who it was for, really. It was partially for me, like, for me. So people would stop calling me, call this number. And I called it the Levi Love line. Leave him a message. There you go. Uh, but it was also for Charles so I could play these messages. To, it was like, so people didn't need to call me. Like, I've just left the hospital. I can't put the phone by. Just leave your messages whenever you want, and I'll play them whenever I'm there. And so I got, like, I wasn't eavesdropping because I had to fucking play the, Yeah, I had to be there to press play, you know. And so I got to hear all kinds of messages to Charles. And, um <clears throat> Of course, a lot of them were like, Charles. 
<laughs> Charles, it's Stephanie. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I'm like, ooh, this phone's getting hot. You know, and uh, but uh, uh, and and then there's people who are like, you know, uh, I, you changed the way I play bass. I play bass because of you. There's all kinds of people like um, twenty years ago. Uh, you, we were in the back of a venue in Pittsburgh, and you shared. We shared a salad. Okay, wow. um, but but but, and here's, I guess, here's my point. The thing that surprised me, um, and I live in Chicago. It shouldn't surprise. Lots of things don't surprise me, but uh, some of the messages to Charles was like, when I saw you on stage, as a person of color myself. It was the first time I realized it was possible for me to consider being in a rock band like this. Wow. I'm like, what the fuck? We did Rock Against Racism shows in 1979, you know? And um, so, That's so cool. That's, it, that was, is, it is, there's something beautiful about that and sad as well. But yeah. Yeah. But, but so, so I miss, um, I miss, not making that statement except yeah. by making the statement in perhaps mm-hmm. the most powerful way possible. Um, but uh, yeah, 80% of the messages were Charles. <laughs> Charles. <laughs> I love and, that. Then, and of course, and it, it helped me because he's like, he's out. I'm like convincing myself he can hear this stuff. This can make a difference. But what happened, I'm on this real kick at the moment about tiny stuff. Tiny, tiny stuff. And because we're all like, I want to be a worldwide superstar. Well, I'm not, but people are. I want to be a worldwide superstar. We've got to be number one and the global this and fuck off that, you know. And and so these tiny things can seem really useless, not worthwhile. So, and some people are like, yeah, I didn't know what to say. I, I'm not fucking call anyway. You know, and so what was happening, even though perhaps he couldn't hear the messages, I could, you know, and I'm there and I'm just like babbling. I'm like, listen, mate, we've got all of these, we've got 400 people's phone numbers. Whatever happens, we're selling every fucking one of them an album, you know, <laughs> you know and it will kind of, it will kind of, it will get me through some of this stuff. Right, you know, of course. Fantasy entrepreneurial plan going on. Right. And th- but then um, a nurse will come in and go, what's going on here? I'm like, I'll tell you what's going on. Hundreds of people have called from all over the world. You better fucking take care of this guy, <laughs> you know? And they're like, whoa, you know? Wow. I mean. I love so, that. It all just kind of, I don't think anybody thought it was going to wake up. And he did after like, I want to say seven or eight days. You know? That's, um, that's um, incredible. And, that's, uh, yeah. I don't think it was purely Stephanie in Seattle, <laughs> but she certainly had a hand in it. Yes, know? she did. Um, she did. But, but I, 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 yeah. I agree. No, no, no. I agree. I think the smaller things are the most impactful. I really do. And sometimes that's holding the door open for someone. Sometimes that's just saying to someone like, I got you, you know, I miss you. Hi, thank you. You know, sometimes it's buying them some flowers, whatever it is, but it doesn't have to be a grand performance. So I did a, um, I did a thing at the start of lockdown. You know, I have my own coffee through uh, Dark Matter Coffee. 
It's called Get the Fuck Out of Bed. Um, Perfect. And then we did we did a pig face coffee. We've probably done something else as well. I don't even remember. But they're, they're the most creative people I know. And they're energetic because they're out of their minds on their own coffee. Um, they've got seven stores. And uh, it was the, the my first meeting with them was the only meeting I've been to empty-handed. I'm always the, like, here, have the five, the, the, you <laughs> know. Um, <clears throat> and they start giving me double seven-inch vinyl from Derek Carter, Chicago DJ, a cassette they made with somebody, an effects pedal they're working on with the guy from Metallica. Now, this is a beer we're working on with Mastodon and Three Freud's Blue. And I'm like, what the fuck? I, t- I tell you where all the energy went from the music business. It's over at Dark Matter Coffee. These guys are insane. <laughs> so when, I, when I, I was there at the start of the lockdown, and they're like, they were frozen. It was really frightening, actually, to see it. And uh, and I put I put a hundred dollars in their employee tip jar, and uh, they have one hundred and seven employees. And they were like, "How how are we going to work this to keep people on health benefits? And how is this going to happen?" And they were frightened. And um, and fear can really fuck up your creativity. You know, sometimes it accelerates mine a bit, but sometimes it fucks it up. And um, so. I felt pretty good for like 10 minutes, about hundred dollars in the in the job. By the time I get home, I'm like, well, that's meaningless shit. 70 cents per employee. You really made a difference. So I go downstairs, I call one of my guys. We we he reinterpreted the get the fuck out of bed bag to say stay the fuck inside. Mm. Same, you know, yeah. Font. And I stopped. We had all these craft brown. Uh, uh, bags with the with the wire thing, like they're coffee bags. I don't know what we were using them for, and so I start printing these get the stay the fucking side bags, and I sign them all like it's and some of them are really badly printed. And halfway through, I'm just like, "What are you doing, you fucking arty prick? You know, <laughs> oh, you're gonna you print some bags, you know?" And I'm really questioning myself, and um. One of my kids came over and he's hanging the bags on the line so they'll dry, you know, and we're doing it. And that was good. I thought, well, maybe this is it. Just me and him, we're printing bags and pretending we're making a difference and maybe we'll leave it at that. But at some point I put the bag, 300 bags in my car and I go up there. And one of the things that, that Jesse, the owner, had said to me, is like, we got 50,000 fucking pounds of coffee you no know, fucking money. What the fuck? So I, I guess that was in my... And I know it takes them 12 weeks to do their super nice foil bags that get printed to come back. So there's like, it's a supply chain disruption, you know? So I kind of gingerly go, Oh, I did this thing. I'm an idiot. Well, within 10 days, they've made $15,000. Oh, wow. Selling these fucking bags, you know? And, um, and I'm like, Oh, holy shit. You know, and I, it, so it helped me stop questioning the small, silly stuff. I love it. You know, and, and I think it helped them. Like, they're smart. They're so super fucking smart. I think they just needed a, a, something to get them through like a couple of days. You know, the hideout started selling hideout bucks. I was talking with the, the Tim uh, over there. 
And I'm like, what is that? It's like, well, they paid artists to design these, this currency. And it's really, really nice. I'm like, okay. And they, so they have like a $20 bill that costs 25. Hmm. And the five goes to the artist. And I'm like, okay. So this is a cash flow play, right? Like people, because they're not open, so you can't go and spend your 20. But it's like, hold on a minute. Now you get, I don't know what they call it when you, you get a coupon. The coupon for a box of cornflakes causes you to buy the box of cornflakes, but you never redeem the coupon. Right. Is that yeah. like attrition or whatever? Yeah, persuasion or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I'm like, aha. So a third of this is going to be, you know what? Somewhere in this house, there's a hideout $20 bill that cost me 25 that I could be using on beer right now. But then the genius of this, like, amazing artwork, well, people fucking framed them because it was artwork. Wow. So Wow. Yeah. Well, so, so the so, five still went to the artists, and they were happy just with it on their wall. Right. And so... And so so then I'm on the phone with people who are losing their fucking minds, you know, and I'm like, well, here's a couple of things. Here's a couple of ideas. We did yeah. this stay the fuck. I could send you some of these bags. <laughs> we could put a t-shirt in a bag and they're like, oh, we could put some tickets. I'm like, um, and then busy beaver buttons here in Chicago. Send me like, we love what you're doing. Here's some, here's some stay the fuck inside buttons. And wow. so you just, and I, I guess, that experience coupled with this tiny thing with Charles, I, I'm on this like small as the new huge crusade now, I guess. You know? I love it. Well, I mean, it's, I love it. And I'm, first of all, awesome. And there's two things that you were, you kind of were poking fun at yourself 10 minutes ago when you said something about like, what am I like some entrepreneur? And the fact is, is kind of everything you've done that you've even shared here has been, you started something or you joined a band, you started something or you started this, or you did the artwork over here, or you started a, like, fuck, I'm not the, uh, the Webster's dictionary here, but it looks to me like you're pretty um, crafty yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm just on like a, uh, I don't know who I was just looking at. There's a whole kind of alternative embroidery crusade going on. Um, Stitch God. Uh, it's like, you know, like like grandma's home sweet home, but it's like, yeah. fuck off you twat. You know, like, <laughs> it's perfect. just, you know. Um, so, but, so when you say crafty, I immediately think of like a bobbin of thread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, someone quilting it. Yeah, totally. No, so, and then it's, and then this other thing that's so interesting too is, and, and it's that, um, it's not self-deprecating. You know, some people are like self-deprecating and they get a laugh out of it, but you have this way of, you know, like, who am I? Like, you're like, well, who am I to do that? Blah, 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 blah. And so I'm like listening to you. I'm like, where did you even get that voice in your head? Because like, who aren't you to do that? You're just like doing these little things. The phone, the the phone, the message thing that you did for Charles was like the one of the most beautiful things I could imagine doing for someone who's sick in hospital or in coma. And anyway, you you've got this voice that 
is like, well, well, who, what the I, fuck am I doing? I get, well, I, you know, I'm shy. Yeah. And I, I think that, yeah. I think that, you know, it, being in education, being in academia has not always been a good place for me because I like people fly me around the world and it pisses other people off. Um, people like my books that sometimes don't check the grammar. <laughs> and one of my books is a textbook. We actually crowdfunded it by having people, <laughs> one of the levels for my book, Bandsmart, was you could uh, buy an extra fuck. And I would put an extra fuck in the book. <laughs> and, and so I, know, I think it's like Guinness World Record number of fucks in a book. But that's um, so fucking ingenious. So, so uh, maybe I'm just insecure. But no. I think lo I think lots of artists are like, I, yeah. You know, I don't know if you're. I don't think I don't know about that. I don't know you, but uh, that well. Uh, but there's something so endearing about it, and something so like from my years, I'm like you just crowdfunded. Uh, who came up with that? We'll put another fuck in, and you, yeah. <laughs> well, you did. well. That, to me, that was a no-brainer because my first book had 166 fucks in it. And Columbia College, Chicago, even though I was adjunct there, and I left school when I was 16, I have my master's degree now. But um, they, so they, they wanted me to teach, and they put my book in the window on Michigan Avenue faculty authors, but they wouldn't let me recommend my book for the class because it had 166 <laughs> fucks in it, you know? So yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing, but you know, one of the, th one of the messages to Charles was, I don't know if you remember a band called EMF. Yeah. Um, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 So they fucking called for match and I'm like, Whoa. What? Wow. Yeah. And that's one of the things that got the nurses, the nurses are like, what's going on in here? I'm like, they're fucking EMF. Just wow. Come on, you know? Yeah. That's that's yeah. super cool. And then so then I I I tried to text them through the Google phone app, but it didn't work. So I just ended up calling the guy at home. Like, Is this EMF? <laughs> like, yeah, it's Martin in Chicago. Thank <laughs> you so much for yeah. Oh um, man. Or I want to go back to something you said. Um, you're like you basically were saying sometimes fear does lend itself to your own creativity. What do you mean? Well, <clears throat> um, I think that I don't know if it's fear or adrenaline that can open up, uh, open up stuff. I'm dangerous as fuck in a crisis. And, um, and I, I just, uh, I lost my assistant. Uh, <laughs> 10 days ago and I'm like holy fuck I'm like eh we'll deal with it you wait know? you and lost like they passed away no okay no they, 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 okay they quit and uh and I'm just like eh I'll deal with it you know fucking I've dealt with Johnny Rotten and Jazz Coleman and Al yeah. Jorgensen I'll fucking deal with this you know that's real triage we, we had a an outbreak of meningitis on a tour bus crossing into Canada. I think I can deal with this, you know? <laughs> and so and now I have four assistants and it's actually, it's killer. <laughs> uh, but, but, but um, I found that adrenaline focuses me because I'm ridiculously ADD, ADHD, whatever. It focuses me 
prioritizes things and solutions, uh, creative ideas come to my brain faster than I can get them down sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and then you know, sometimes I won't sleep because that adrenaline is just fueling this stuff. It's like, yeah, there you go. Um, so maybe that's touring. Yeah. Like if, if you don't have a solution, like in the next 20 minutes, there isn't going to be a show. Right. You know, right. like we had three, oh my God, three tour buses break down the same fucking day. I mean, it's like, and, and so this is a great story, but if I'm telling this to a road, a road professional like Jules here, it's like, yeah, and? Did any, <laughs> uh, what happened? Anybody? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and go on. My wrist, and? Carry on. Yeah. Yes, I had diarrhea, and? <laughs> you know, like, you know, <laughs> you know. But, but, but we had a tour bus. We were, uh, House of Blues Chicago has an underground car park. The, the rookie bus driver turned off the engine to save on fuel the fuel lines froze right and so it was a nightmare they send another bus from somewhere like that's why you work with a larger company because they have buses all over the place they send another bus every they re they hitch the trailer uh everybody transfers all their belongings you know and it breaks down half a mile down michigan avenue like you're gonna be kidding me and uh I don't know what happened to the next one. I think the next one might have been okay, by which point we were in danger of missing a Monday night in Detroit, which normally would be like, well, fuck it. Let's just cancel. What is that? Like 150 people Monday night in Detroit. 800 people. It was like, the oh, oh you're wow. kidding me. Wow. You know, so I fly ahead. I fly ahead. <laughs> Dave Baker, my label manager, has 10 people and nine IDs to get these people on a plane, which he does. It's like, it's like a kind of, so there we go. You've got the one and he's got the two and that's go to me. And here we are, you know, like find, find the lady. Right. And so, but I'm, I just flown ahead and I'm just dealing with stuff and time's ticking. The place is packed. So I get everything that's in the dressing room, the vodka, the beers, but anything else that's in there, we separate, we put it into two limousines because somebody at the club had a limousine company. We weren't being rock and roll. I'm like, I'm like there's no time for anybody to get ready. They're going to get ready in the vehicles. They're going to drink in the vehicles. They're going to get out of those cars and walk straight on stage. And thank goodness we did that because by that time, I'm basically on stage threatening 800 people I, I think i said something like i love this part of canada you know and people people will get but at least nobody was thinking like well what's going on it was you know <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my but, God. but so so you i i think it's one of the reasons i like teaching music business because it's like look there's either people in the venue or there isn't there's no, well, here's what, don't give me your fucking, I don't, I don't, I don't have time to listen to the bullshit. You know, this isn't regular university where it's like, Oh, I've, I've read your, the problems and really like, no, no, no. Fill the venue, then go have a problem. Yeah, That's yeah. how we do it. You know, 
Yeah, and, black um, and white. And I think it's I think it's really useful. Oh, there's nobody here. You're not getting paid. The contract. Yeah, there's a contract. Go fucking sue us. You know, it's like, what? You either deliver or you don't. Yeah. And, and that's just so useful, I think, in life, especially the way things are now, you know. Period. Period. Totally. All right. Last, probably the last question. I got to let you go at some point. And there's lovely jewels up there. Just been cracking up with me because you're just, you're, you're, you're so real. And it's hysterical because you're so real. And I love that. What um what is what does optimism mean to you? Possibility, optimism. No, I, I get I get the question. No, I don't I understand. <laughs> uh, um <laughs> it's the second I, time I, I did that to Martin. Um I I, I it's interesting. I think that there's a whole group of people who think optimism is naive stupidity. Um, and they think art is frivolous and they think stories are bullshit and music is just the background to something in between sports. And, um, and for me, it's, I, I think the reality is it's exactly the opposite. I think that, um, uh, you just made me think about my dad again, because my, you know what my dad used to say? And I love you, dad, but fucking hell, man. Um, he would say, I, I do something. Like, ah, I've got this band, Pig Face. I'm starting a label. I'm going to write a book, you know? And he was like, eh, bread today, jam tomorrow. Mm. I'm like, yeah, what? And he's basically saying, you fucking fool. Like you just have, you're living on bread today, and at some point in the future there'll be jam. And I mm. and I'm like I'm like I tried to make sense of it, and I and then I just thought he was what a horrible thing to say to somebody as fragile and hopeful uh, as myself, you know. And I think <clears throat> once again, as I've learned in glorious Technicolor with with um with this experience with Charles, if you can, if you can think something, you can make it happen. Like, and sometimes I'm around people who are like, well, let me tell you the three things that are like, shut up. I don't want those words to exist in this space. I don't want them in here. They're in here. I can extrapolate five different terrible outcomes all on my own. I'm choosing not to do part of, Part of the skill of this is just putting the blinders on till you get to that point. I'm not unaware of all the, I mean, you know, I've got four kids. Some of the things I do put, put lots of things at risk and I don't do that frivolously. But um, I, we were told, don't go to the hospital if you're not family. And it's 90 minute drive from my house. It would be very easy to go, you know, you're probably right. And I'm like, no, fuck you. You're going to tell me that to my face, motherfucker. Mm -hmm. And not only were you telling it to my face, looking into my eyes, I had a whole fucking armful of Starbucks gift cards. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not just relying on a hopeful spiritual voodoo <laughs> to get me through. Like, oh. and, and, and they, they didn't let us in. But I'm like, oh, 
that's really difficult. But we were late. But like one of the reasons we're late is we bought all of these Starbucks $20 gift cards for the nursing staff. Oh, my God. And I thought, you know, the smart thing would be to take them away and bring them back the next day to try and give them to. And I'm like, no, fuck it. You just throw stuff out there. And so I gave them to this cop. I'm like, can I give these to you to give to the staff? And I'm like, if he takes one, fucking good on you, mate, you know. And uh, and then I went to the bathroom. Um, it was actually really difficult to think of, like, I thought Charles was going to pass and to not be able to go and just touch him. It was just difficult. I went to the bathroom and I cried for a bit, but I was also being strategic. I wasn't just crying. Um, I thought, I'm giving the cop time to go, was that how you wanted this? There's this guy. He gave you the. He still gave you the coupons. Maybe when I thought when I come out, is that time to think? And actually, that was he did have time to think, and he was writing my fucking visiting uh, thing out. And they get a call from upstairs. They they were doing some kind of procedure, and and it's like, look, there's cameras up on the floor. I just can't let you up. But when we went back the next day, uh, we were the people who had given out all the Starbucks cards. And I think we had a little bit of a, you know, is Charles still up on three? Like, <laughs> you know. Well, cash in. Yeah. And, and that, that stuff, I know that that stuff works. Uh, if you're a manager and you're supposed to have put somebody on the guest list and you forgot, you can either say, terribly sorry, I forgot. But next time I got you. Or you can say, yeah, you're on the list. Boom, boom. Oh, right. <laughs> Mash myself in here. Um, and that confidence that some, the, the, if somebody thinks they're on the list, the person on the door is like, well, fuck, they obviously, I mean, they should look like they should be on the list. What are we going to do? You know, so like it's it. all, it's how you run this shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How you run it and what you think and what the thoughts you don't let in your head, back to your point. And the thoughts you do. I wish I could just give you a big old hug. I know it sounds as funny <laughs> as well, but thank you so much for your time. Hey, everybody. If you want to start a podcast or you have a podcast that you want to get up and running, please, please reach out to my team at onairbrands.com. That's onairbrands.com. They're the best.